Hello and welcome Hello, to CXO Talk, episode 211. Uh, we're going to talk about the digital transformation in insurance, and uh, we have a very special guest uh, and a dear old friend of mine uh, that we'll introduce you to uh, shortly. Uh, so I'm broadcasting live uh, from Genoa, Italy, on a road tour. Uh, so this is a European-hosted show, but our guest is broadcasting from the United States. So I'd like to welcome you on this uh, this episode Tuesday, um, um, January 10th, um, January 10th um, at uh, 1 p.m. Eastern Time. I'd like to give a, a big welcome to Tim Baum. He is the VP and CIO of Harper Mutual Insurance. Uh, welcome, Tim. Thank you, Dan. Good talking to you. Thank you, Dan. Good talking to you. Thank you, Dan. Good talking to you. Yeah, so, uh, so Tim, you and I have known each other for what must be 20 some odd years uh, at this point, and I know you've been involved in a variety of regulated industries. Uh, and uh, so uh, I wanted to welcome you on the show, uh, a new position at the Harper Mutual Insurance, uh, and to talk about uh, the digital disruption that the favorite topic that everyone's talking about, and uh, to discuss how insurance uh, is being affected by the changes in the digital world, how IT is being transformed, and, and kind of, you know, from your perspective, we had Alexander Bachman on recently from Unique Insurance, and he gave kind of a European perspective, and I was hoping to put it on you. Uh, it's a kind of uh, North American uh, perspective uh, on insurance, which has been up till now relatively protected uh, industry. Uh, and so why don't you take a few minutes and tell us briefly uh, about yourself, um, uh, Hartford Mutual Insurance, and, um, and your role there. Okay, so so Hartford Mutual, it's actually a, it's a, it's a regional carrier based on the, on the East Coast. We're in about seven states plus the District of Columbia. We have about eight different business lines. We're all commercial. We don't do any personal lines. But the company, we're, we're at about $185 million in direct written premium. It, the company, as I mentioned, is 175 years old. So we've been around for a very long time. I think we have a great opportunity here in that because we've been around so long, we've got established relationships. We sell direct through agents that there's just a lot of opportunity. I think like a lot of regional carriers, the technology side of the house has always been lagging somewhat. They've been in internally developed systems, homegrown, and as the industry has grown, there have been more packages out there available to use, the integration of those packages, just the, the confluence of digital technology has really started impacting what is going on. So coming in, I've been at Hartford Mutual for about four months now, and it's it's really exciting time. So We've got one of the major things we're working on is, is core system replacement. So we had a system that was built back in the 90s, early 2000, uh, developed internally. The resources are still here who developed it. And we're, we're taking that and really trying to move into the 21st century. So taking that technology, moving it into, we're starting to standardize on the Guidewire package. So if you go out there and you look at the insurance carriers, Guidewire is one of the main players in the industry that we've decided to work on. So within that, we're really trying to then form a strategy around there. Um, so just a lot of going on, a lot of excitement, a lot of opportunity, not only from a technology standpoint, from a business standpoint, there's a lot of technology around here. Yeah, so are, but are you finding that these commercial insurance packages, are they supporting the kinds of digital capabilities that we're seeing very rapidly emerging on the space. So there's, there are lots of very exciting things happening, 
from digital payments to blockchain to Internet of Things, uh, all of which, you know, we've learning has an impact on the, on the insurance industry. You know, what what are you finding in terms of is this future proof or are you, you know, you're building on a foundation that's not going to move fast enough? It's that's really interesting because so I, I, I talked to a lot of people. And one of the interesting is a lot of carriers they're talking about they're all doing core replacement systems and they're all two, three, four years in. And everyone kind of talks about like, we've just got to get this done. And then, then we're done. It's almost like, then we've hit the end road. And the analogy I always get is if you pulled up in your brand new off the floor dealer, 2013 Buick, and you bring your friend over and say, look at my new 2013 Buick. They're going to look at you like, what are you talking about? I mean, that it doesn't have the, the, the variable speed control. It doesn't have the cameras on it. That's not new, but to you it's new. So I think one thing, that Hartford Mutual and other carriers have to realize is these core system replacements, it's not a one stop and then you're done. It's you've got to do it. And then how do you continue to innovate? How do you continue to expand on the capabilities? I think the industry also is kind of just with the the carriers and that they're struggling to try and get ahead of, do things faster, quicker, think outside the box of how you're doing things. I know one thing that, that I'm coming in is trying to think of different ways to develop. So get away from the traditional model of I've got a, I've got staff, I can use staff augmentation, but can you really look at incubators out there? Can you look at some type of coding camps where you can actually throw something out there and have something more developed? So I think what happens is while these uh, providers are trying to do it, they're kind of in this quandary that we're in. And so how do we get a foundation built on some of those products, but enable to move forward. I think you'll see in some of the press releases from some of the the software developers out there, they're trying to figure out how they can deliver faster solutions so that you can go into new states, you can go into new lines of business. So they're kind of doing that same thing, whether you go to cloud, whether you go to hosted. So it's a combination of, of how do you, it's also how do you go to, do you use a full stack or do you actually build pieces of it? Do you use like AWS and you go out and build some things together and plug them all together to give you a solution? And how fast can you do that? So I think one of the challenges is going to be able to be nimble, but yet still be able to work within a regulated environment. Absolutely. Well, I, I want to really kind of tease that apart uh, later on in the in the show. Um, being nimble and being regulated those don't necessarily go together, but I, you know, there's some interesting things I think that are happening. But so. So you're primarily a B2B insurance company, is that correct? Yeah, basically you could say that. So so we deal with agents. So, so, no, go ahead. No, I was going to say, so we deal with agents. So we've got a network of agents. So we're a mutual. So we deal with a network of agents that, that we've appointed to sell within the states that we're in. We don't go direct. But as I think most people in the industry will say is, does that business model go in the future? You know, as as the... The consumer becomes more educated. Can they go direct or do they need that? That where how we view the agent is the agent is kind of the educator. So they help. So we're selling to a business. So does a business owner really understand the risk that he has? Does he really understand the products that he needs to protect himself? And that agent kind of provides that information. Now, can technology change that? Can someone go and get that same information guidance automated through the Internet? I think that's still something to be seen. I think also the ages, the millennials coming up, how are they going to learn? Where are they going to get their information? What are their, who are their trusted advisors? What are their trusted advisors? And right now for us, it's those agents that have the relationship. 
Yeah, so how does that affect a digital experience? So you've got to design services that uh, deliver value to the agents and deliver value to the customers, uh, and you want them to prefer to offer your services, uh, yet you're in a highly, I mean, a ruthlessly competitive environment. How does a company like Harford, you know, up the bar with digital experience compete with the big guy? So it's funny you say that. So, so the president and I always banter back and forth because my position is every company is an IT company. We're an IT company that just so help, happens to sell insurance. He'll banter back, no, we're an HR company that just so happens to sell insurance. So the human component of it is really important. So it's the relationships that we have. So we're really involved in the community. We're really involved with the agents because that's an important portion of what we do. The people that we work that work here are really committed to, our slogan is committed to mutual success. So we really do want to be successful, but we can't be successful unless you're successful. So then my job is how do I bring that technology to enable and foster that to happen? So if you have great people, but you have bad technology, it's not going to go anywhere. So one of the things that we've recently done is I'm actually moving one of my individuals out of IT and moving him up into the marketing group. And so he's not going to be like a, a chief digital officer, but he's basically going to play a similar role in that he's going to go out there and meet with the agents, meet with the agents and the customers. What do you need? What are, what are those functions? What are those services that you need to better enable you to know what you're buying, what risks you're covering, what, what am I getting for my money? And so with him knowing the technology side of it and kind of getting in on the marketing side, I think it's going to help us tease out what we really need in order to deliver those systems, those apps, those whatever that can have a better experience. It then will fall back on us in order to construct that and lay that out. So that's kind of one of the approaches we're, we're going with because things are changing. And how do we stay in front of what, how do we know what the needs are? unless we're really meeting with the users and listening to the users. And to us, that's face-to-face. -face. That's how we're really going to understand what the individual needs, how we can differentiate ourselves from our competitor. And that differentiation is your strength because of your 175-year-old history that, that, you know, going way back in the day, that, you know, relationships face-to-face -face is what you guys are good at. And, and, and you're kind of, kind of bringing a digital version of that to bear, or you're really going to use face-to-face the legacy way to kind of reinforce your differentiation. So, so it has to be face to face, but can it be virtual face to face? I don't think we believe that you can do anything that if everything becomes, you know, a blockchain transaction, where is that human interaction? What then I become a commodity and I don't want to be a commodity. I want to have that relationship. So how do I have that in a relationship? How do I make that relationship? So when we're headquartered in, in Harford County, Maryland, and we've got, Something, North Carolina, our president. So I'm sure everyone's probably heard of all the wildfires that hit in Tennessee over the past couple of months. So we actually did a lot of insurance in Tennessee. Our president is actually going down there um, to meet with some individuals because of the impact that it's had on the community and our involvement with them. So we're just not an insurance carrier that, you know, you have a claim and we're just going to pay the claim out. We're concerned about the communities that we that we actually insure with. We're concerned about the agents that actually sell those things. So it is that personal touch. When someone calls, one of the things that probably differentiates us, if you call Harford Mutual, you will not be put into a phone tree to get to someone. There is actually someone, Norma, who sits at our switchboard and she answers the phone. 
and she will direct your call to where it needs to go. And it's that type of mentality from the president down of, we're not going to go completely digital. There's a human interaction. We want, we want you to know that when you call us, you're not just being pumped through some you know, AI system that's going to wrap you to the right place. We want to be able to hear you. We want to be able to talk to you. We want to be able to resolve your questions. It can't all be resolved through a system. We might like to think that, but there's nothing like human interaction. Well, that really does set you apart, especially not having a voicemail tree. I think that you got to be one of the last holdouts not to have that. That's great <laughs> to hear. So, so uh, please, uh, we have uh, Tim Baum, uh, CIO and VP um, of Hartford Mutual Insurance on the line. Uh, we'd love to take your questions on Twitter uh, using the CXO Talk one word hashtag. Uh, please ask your questions about uh, IT, about digital experience, um, about digital transformation in the insurance industry. So, Tim. Um, so we're seeing, though, that, uh, you know, certainly some you know, new versions of new models of technology like social media and social networking and, and uh, online video, they're bringing a lot of that human dimension uh, uh, to bear. Uh, but we're seeing that, that even insurance companies are realizing they got to speed up. They have to do more. And we're seeing the introduction of roles like the chief digital officer in the insurance industry uh, to kind of take and say, you know, digital is going to be a P&L soon enough in our, in our industry. Uh, it's never mind that we have to really continually up our game. It's a treadmill now. We can't, we can't slow down. So we need somebody who's really in charge of market-facing digital. Um, where do you guys uh, fit on, on that point of view, and, and you know, what are your thoughts on that? So, yeah, I, I totally agree that that's an extremely important role. Now, we're a smaller organization, so at the C-level, we don't have that, that chief digital officer. That's kind of a combination of, of myself and this individual that I'm putting up in the marketing area. I think when I think of digital, I really break it down into you've got your, your predictive analytics, you've got your, your customer interaction, you, you've got the, the system that are actually delivering the operational systems, and then you have potentially robotics. I think within, with our, in our realm and how we're structured, how we're sized, the robotics piece of that digital revolution, I really don't see us playing much of a role in that. Now, the other three quadrants, they're actually, from a strategic standpoint, they're what we're working on right now. So predictive analytics, we actually purchased a, a guidewire product called Eagle Eye to help us with predictive analytics, help us on the claims and the policy side so we can actually start analyzing the data, understanding where the, where the risks are. Because to be candid, you know, there's business you don't want. There's business that you want that you might not be selling to, and there's business you don't want. So how do you emphasize and, and target that business that you really want? And that's where some of the predictive analytics. So we have a whole project that we're working on that. We then, as I mentioned, we've got our core, core system replacement that we are redoing how we do our billing, how we do our claims, how we do our policy administration, policy underwriting. So we have that project going then also. And then the third, to me, the third leg is that customer interaction. So to your point of the social, the, the, the Twitter, the different accounts, how do we actually get engaged in that realm? And that's where we're really focusing right now on the portal. So coming up with a digital strategy where the portal is really the focus, where we can deliver things that are browser, that are device agnostic solutions out to both the agent and the consumer. And so those are kind of the three areas that we're really trying to focus on in the coming years and this year specifically, try and get those things. Our core system replacement is the one that is farthest on the path of moving forward. 
And then I probably would say after that, we've got a predictive analytics that is next. And then the one we're really going to start tackling in the next couple of months is that whole digital customer interaction strategy that we really need to attack. I think if you read some of the, the industry articles, they'll say about 83, 87% of, of carriers are focusing in 2017 on that digital strategy. So in order for us to be around for another 175 years, we've got to be right there with them. We can't be that 13 or 15% that aren't worrying about it. They're, just because we've been here for 175 years doesn't mean we'll be here for another 175 years. How we conducted business back in 1842 is not how we're conducting business in 2017, and it won't be how we're conducting business in 2050. It will change. Well, I have to stay with that. Yes, exactly. And and so some insurance companies though still feel like they are operating from you know the 1850s, uh, but I do think that's changing. Um, and we've had CIOs from from you know very large insurance companies say that they believe that in five to ten years the classical insurance company will disappear. Right, that's what they see. They plot forward the trends in, in, in who's buying coverage, how coverage is being purchased, uh, how you, know, you can instrument vehicles. You can even instrument homes and see what the actual behavior is so that you know what you're insuring, right? Right. Uh, and you can provide, you know, you know incredibly efficient rates and, and make it all self-service. Um, but that makes it easy to self-insure, too. So, there's, you know, there's, that's the next wave in terms of insure tech. So, what? What are you seeing? You know, what's the relationship between it, this kind of relentless innovation now that you have to undergo as a CIO and and the future of your organization? I mean, I, I'm asking big questions here, but this we're all on the hot seat. You know, these right. increasing with cards. So I think there's a within the insurance industry there there's a delineation between personal and commercial lines. So the personal lines, I think you are. So you you've got your your analytics. You know, the, the things you can plug into your car to to really say how you're driving. I think on the personal lines. Technology, because it is more consumer-based, is probably going to move faster than on the commercial side. On the commercial side, in general, you know, you have larger contracts. They are you're insuring different things. But as you mentioned, the, the Internet of Things. Yeah, do do we have companies that that have equipment that we're actually insuring? And with the Internet of Things, can we actually pre-diagnose when a problem is going to happen to help shut that down? That gets actually into loss control. So that's a whole other aspect of how do we handle loss control? Can we do that education? Can we actually help the consumer know where their risks are and how to avert that risk? Because while we insure them, the best scenario for us is they pay us a premium and they make no claim for us. So if we can do, if we can spend money up front that we can help educate them on how to not have a claim happen, the better off we are financially and the more successful they are. No one wants to have, no one wants to have an accident. No one wants to have we have we one of our lines of business is workers comp. No one wants to have one of their employees get killed in an accident. Was it something that could have been prevented? Is there education that could help that? So how can we use technology on that? Um, that's the area. I think as far as will what will insurance carriers look like in five to ten years? I, I think we always think things will happen a lot faster than they actually happen. I think because we're in a regulated field, we're even having to educate the regulators on how we do things. I think one example is with drones, a lot of talk around drones. My understanding with drones is if you want to have a drone in your claims department to go out and assess, you've got damage on a building, you want to fly it around. The drone operator actually has to have almost like a co-pilot with him on the ground where they can, they can fly that around to check out the damage. So now instead of sending one insurance adjuster out to check out the claim, I've got to send two guys is that really more efficient? 
You know, so will that evolve where how the regulations can change to enable that to happen? Will it be able other technologies out there that might disrupt and drones or things almost, you know, an intermediate intermediary, something like a fax machine that, you know, is really great when it first come at, came out. But, you know, I'm saying now, ironically, I'm now completely outdated. Except yeah. for insurance companies, we fax we fax stuff out the wazoo. We love fax machines because we're still all paper. But how do we take that paper and how do we actually digitize that and, and move that forward? So I think there are areas of that where there also can be optimization. I think also the there probably not probably there will be other lines of business that we're going to sell as things evolve. I think also how we how we insure it. So do you move from you're going to buy an annual policy? To are you going to buy a policy for an activity? Are you going to buy like you know to to actually be more of a transactional insurance? I think the ability. I think it'll be very interesting to see some of the the larger insurance carriers how they try and handle that because being large, it's more difficult to be nimble. I think one of the great things of Harf Mutual is we're small, but we think big. So we don't have a lot of the encumbrances that a large organization has and allows us to be able to move and target things where we want to go and actually deliver where we want to go. So I think, you know, from a whole, where is it going to be? I I think, you know, autonomous cars. Some people think autonomous cars are going to be out next year. I don't think you're going to have the freeways clogged with autonomous cars next year. Now, will they eventually get there? Yes, but it's not going to be next year. And I think that's the same with technology. There's so much data that is around. There's so many technology uh, avenues that you can go well, to. Yeah, so then, yeah, there's so many choices, you know, and as Bill Gates famously said, that we tend to overestimate change in the short term, but we underestimate it in the long term. You know, we won't believe what the world looks like in 15 years, but we're going to expect a lot of it to happen next year, right? So right. Yep. That's, that's the challenge. And so, so let's, let's, uh, let's turn this conversation down a, a different path. Um, because what I, when I typically talk to organizations, you know, as you were mentioning, you, you, you guys aren't as big as the big guys uh, who have this tremendous legacy baggage. And that's one of the biggest obstacles to, to modernization and digitization and kind of really upgrading their business. And it's great to hear that you're going through this, this big uh, uh, set of upgrades and, and um, overhauls of your IT and, and business application infrastructure. Um, but what have you run into? You know, this is what people uh, you know, really want to know is, what obstacles? As you've been going down this path, you've been actually hitting the different you know, pain points on, on, on change. Do you have a lot of technical debt? Uh, are you finding that systems don't talk to each other and your budget's all going to integration? I would just, well, in terms of war stories, what can you share with us about why is this hard uh, and you know, what are you encountering? So, so I'm smiling because technical debt. If we, if we were on the other side of the technical debt, we'd love to be a bank because we'd be raking in the money. I mean, we have so much technical debt here because things were developed so old. It's tough to want to upgrade a system, replatform a system if it's working. What's the ROI on that? What's the CBA on that? It's tough. So what happens is you have systems that then keep running and you almost have to get into risk management. So it's ironic we're an insurance company, but how do you manage the risk of your systems that are out there? So we do have a tremendous amount of, of technology debt that we have to do something about. Um, part of our whole core system replacement was trying to tackle some of that, that technology debt that we have. When we undertook it, because we are a smaller shop, we have so much debt and so much 
uh, the effort to do the core replacement, it was really overwhelming. So we actually had to go from a greenfield approach of how we were to a brownfield approach of how we were going to deliver the core systems. And so we do have a stack of technology debt that we are going to have to, to, to deal with. I think one of, ironically, one of the benefits is that as technology has changed and has the ability to develop and giving, so like coding camps, do we have any means by which we could take one of those systems that is a technology debt and could we throw it out there or could we throw it to an incubator and say, here's the problem. How would you, how would you solution it? And have a bunch of, of individuals go off with a bunch of Coca-Cola and a bunch of pizza and they go off for two weeks and they crank something together using newer technologies, using plug and play pieces that again, from a, from a corporate standpoint, we really don't think that way. It's okay. Well, we're going to, at Harford Mutual, we've, we've adopted the, the agile scrum methodology. So, you know, that's even a little step ahead because traditionally it's always been waterfall. You know, agile has been, I, pro, I would say agile has probably really been used in the in the last 15 years or so is when it's really started to get some legs and, and companies are starting to implement it. But even from an agile perspective, is agile old? You know, do you have to rethink how agile works? And so, well, the, the, and this is the, you know, the whole DevOps discussion now is really emerging to say, you know, is that the post agile view of IT where we, we expand collaboration far outside the boundaries of the development team and include operations and, uh, and a whole bunch of other areas so that we can continuously change, right? You know, that's a very right. interesting discussion. It is because so, and that's where getting back, kind of jumping back on the on the on the, the digital aspect of it. You know, there there is a the, the the kaizen, you know, continual improvement. So even though the, I believe the technology is going to continually improve, I think the processes are going to continually improve. I think the industry is going to continually improve. So you take all of those, and they're all separate streams running down there that are that are you know running at different rates and different paths and different flows, how do you, how can you cross those over to actually optimize what you're really trying to get done? I, I, I think it's a really exciting time. I mean, I think there's just a lot of opportunity. I think the, you know, insurance has been around. I think, I think most people would say Benjamin Franklin really had the first insurance company in like 1752 in Philadelphia when he did a fire insurance, you know, how things have changed since 1752. I mean, things have changed from 1752 to 1842 when we started. You know, how are those things going to progress? And and with technology and with human capital, how do we do that? And how we understand how people, I think also then learning and understanding, having a better understanding of how people operate and what drives people, what drives people people's interaction, what drives people's purchase patterns. You know, how do we incorporate that into the insurance industry. Ultimately, we're insuring risk. We're Absolutely. trying to take someone's risk and we're trying to, to cover that for them. But how, how do we do that? Do you know, getting back to what is the insurance? Does insurance change from less of I'm selling you a policy to more of a I'm offering you a service and one of those components of that service enables you to manage your risk? So that the focus really isn't on, on I, I, right? And, and the whole, and the whole, uh, you know, we look at uh, you know, digital self-help tools, which are now in an exploding category. Are you really just becoming a, a, a digital risk management coach, right? For which right. you charge, you know? Yep. Uh, so yeah, that's interesting. So let's hold that thought. I want to come back to some of the things you just said. Uh, you just covered, you know, an amazing amount of territory, Tim. Um, 
but about how, you know, new ways to change. You really touched on some important pieces, and I want to talk about that in a moment. Uh, so we're about halfway through uh, episode 211 of CXO Talk. Uh, we have a very special guest, uh, CIO of Hartford Mutual Insurance, Tim Baum. Uh, we'd love to take your questions um, about uh, digital transformation, about uh, insurance and insurance technology um, on Twitter. Uh, please ask questions, and I'll, I'll, I'll challenge uh, Tim with them as, as you send them in. Uh, so, Tim, you were... Uh, we're talking about uh, you know uh, hackathons or, or you know developer festivals or how can you go outside uh, and get access to capacity and innovation the kind of the contemporary way we've always had outsourcing and right. and you know uh, uh, staff augmentation things like that but those sound kind of old school compared to you know you can go and and start a hackathon and get a bunch of you know young kids who have got a lot of great ideas and spare time and and, and you know try something new uh, and we really see this you know, our, our um, Michael Krigsman, the founder of the show, um, uh, and uh, the uh, CIO of the Federal Communications Commission, David Bray, who's also now a co-host of CXO Talk. Um, you know, uh, we've, we're talking about change agents and change agency. How do we uh, tap into the, these ecosystems and these networks of people that you have? You must have, you know, many agents that have great ideas and how you can better support them. You, you've got customers uh, and you've got uh, you know, development partners and business partners who have great ideas. How can you unleash them? So it sounds like you're going down that path, Tim, and we see there's some other CIOs. How do we drive more sustainable change when it comes to technology? It's changing faster and faster all the time, and, and we haven't changed our models with it. Right. So, I, you know, communication, it might be the, the easy answer, but, but communication, and it's a two-way communication, it's that follow-through. So again, having this one individual that is out there on the marketing side, actually talking to those individuals, I think using technology, if we have boards, if we have way, you're always going to, you know, you go out to Amazon and you look at reviews, you always get, you could have the best product out there. They're going to get some one stars on it. How do you get the chaff away from the true, uh, value that's in that review. So how do we do that from the from the agent, from the ultimate consumer? How do we get rid of the chaff and how do we really understand what that stuff is? I think that's where actually it's it's the human person being able to go in and analyze what is the value that what value are they looking for? What is the problem they're trying? So within IT, you know, you always run into a problem where the business owner will come and they try and give you the solution. They don't give you the requirement. They give you a solution. So go back and tell me what the requirement is. So in that same sense, go back to the consumer or to the agent and what problem are you trying to solve? What are those needs that are out there? I think then once we bring it internally, then you have that other half of it. So how do we solution that? How do we solution it from an architectural standpoint, from a software standpoint to actual development standpoint? And I think that's where, again, if we look at things more broad and we don't look at things in a, in a, serial manner, we will have more benefits. So even, you know, some you've probably heard the, heard the concept of, of uh, what is it? Uh, fail fast. So, you know, go and try. If it doesn't work, that's great. Don't spend a year working on something and then say, you know, this really isn't, we're trying to put a square peg in a round hole. It's not going to work. You know what? Break it out and in, in a month, spend some money. And if it doesn't work, that was a lessons learned. You know, you never fail, either, either learn or succeed. So, you know, mm -hmm. just because it wasn't successful doesn't mean it wasn't successful because you learned something from that, that, that you should be able to apply that then in the future. And as long as you can take that and apply that in the future, you're going to become better. So whether it's, it's through the wisdom that you, you garnered from it, whether it's from the speed that you were able to see and optimize on it, there is benefit even in the face of what you might 
deem as a failure, but it's not. Yeah. The, the only failure is one that you don't learn from, right? That's, that's right. That's well said. Uh, although now we have to, we have to have so many lessons learned. I think that's our challenge. And, and that comes to, that takes us to our next point, which is, you know, we look at uh, insurance companies and I've done work for insurance companies over the years and I'm pretty familiar with their culture. Um, and it's not one that's really, you know, digitally centric, fast moving, you know, insurance companies tend to be very deliberate. They're full of actuaries who are trying to make right. amazingly precise calculations or you don't make any money, right? Yep. Um, and uh, they're not, not exactly an exciting atmosphere. So how do you build a digitally savvy culture that's going to attract the right talent that's going to compete with these, in, in, these insurance uh, startups that are, that are in, that, you know, I was looking at some of the maps of them. They're going to be breathing down your neck more and more right. and more, and they're going to be sucking in the best talent. You know, what's the CIO's role in, in you know, in uh, making this making Hartford Mutual Insurance an exciting place for you know, top developers and top technical talent? So I, I think for us, it, it actually is somewhat easy because we we are a, a growing carrier. We our senior management staff is is the best there's ever been. There there's a commitment to the employee. There's a commitment to the community. The, the amount of investment that we're making within IT is phenomenal for the size of our organization. So nothing is stopping us from the technology standpoint. So the excitement of being able to get out there and say, how can we do things? You know, don't, don't say why, say why not whenever you ask something. You know, uh, Marcus Rue, who's, who's the, the president of, of Guidewire, he's got this, this quote that I actually, I told him I was going to put it up on our wall. I was talking to him a couple months ago. And it, and it was, was act with urgency, but not recklessness. And so if, if you, you can instill that with people that, you know, you've got to act with urgency because technology is changing. There are things out there. There are people that are pushing. There are, there are companies that are pushing. So act with urgency, but don't do it recklessly. And so I think if you can, if you can foster that within your organization, you'll have people that want to, that want to work at, at your organization. I think also it's the relationship between IT and the business. If IT is truly believes that they are here to enable the business, and it is a partnership. Don't you want to work with a partner? Don't you know? Aren't you going to be excited? So if we can have the technology to back. So you mentioned about an actuary, and I, I've met met tons of actuaries, and you're right. They are they are you, you know in technology you say you got your geeks that want to want to program, but you know an actuary is probably the the brother of or sister of the the geek that's on data, yeah. um, and they think numbers, they think patterns, they 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 so but in order for them to do their job, they need data and they need, they need good data. So how can they get data? So can I, can I get them the data that they're looking for so that they can actually do their job? And again, I think I can, in my organization, I think we can, I think we can provide that information that they can use to do their analysis. And then it's building out the products, you know, again, what makes it exciting for us? What are products out there do we want to offer? How do we structure those, those products? You know, we want to go into more states from an expansion standpoint. How do we how do we go into more states? What are what are the lines that we want to move into those states? How do we take current lines of business and how do we make them more productive through predictive analytics? So there is there is a whole confluence of of things that are going on specifically at Hartford Mutual that I think it makes an exciting place to work and exciting time to work. Well, but you're you're bringing up some really interesting topics. Um, uh, which is going to push off my next question about public cloud. So think about that uh, for a second. Um, okay. So my question really is, it sounds like you're really getting involved in the business planning and, and the business strategy of the, of, the, of the company and trying to figure out where you can grow and expand from a business perspective. It sounds like you have a role in there. Uh, and, and we see that 
you know, the CIO is becoming more uh, involved in leading the business conversation. Is that is that what you're seeing as well? Or, or yeah. what, you know, how do you view the CIO's role in guiding the business? I, I do. I think I, I, because what the CIO does is the CIO brings the technology aspect and they can help solution things when they're talking. They can help widen the minds of the people that are in marketing, the people that are in, in underwriting, people that are in claims of, of how they can do their job. So if I know somewhat of how they can do their job and I can, again, be a, be a partner with them and I can raise questions, I might, I might to be candid, I might come up with some really dumb questions of why do we do that? Why does the industry do that? Because to, I, I've only been in the insurance industry for a little over two years. So, you know, part of it I can say, I don't know. I don't understand. Why don't we do this? They'll educate me. But I also think it then it poses the question of, I don't know. Why, why don't we do that? So, you know, the, the, old, analogy, the old story about, you know, the, the mom, she, she's going and she's cooking Thanksgiving dinner and she cuts the ham in half and she puts one in the top oven and one in the bottom oven. And her daughter says, why do you do that, mom? And she, I don't know. That's how grandma does it. Go ask grandma why she does that. You know, go to grandma. Grandma says, I don't know. That's how great grandma did it. You go to great grandma. Grandma says, my oven wasn't big enough. So I had to cut it in half. Yeah. You know, so, so yeah. are, are we doing things like that, that, that we shouldn't be doing that we can say, why are we doing business today? What is our process? I think that is one of the great things. Again, I hate to keep saying Harford Mutual is great, but it is. But what is, we're going through this core system replacement. What are some of those processes that we've been doing for 30 years when technology first entered the, the, the realm within Hartford Mutual? And why are we doing it that way? Do we need it? Do we need to print out paper? Does someone need to see a printed report in order to do their job? Or can I actually have the system reconcile the stuff and just say, you know what? It reconciled. If you want to look at it, here you can go to this file and look at it. But I'm telling you, I already put everything in the Excel file and did a, did a match and they all matched. So you're good to go. And how can I make that then accounting group more efficient by taking some of that menial work out there of going and checking numbers by numbers down reports so they can actually be doing better things? How do we do our billing better? How do we do, you know, how do we process our payments? We want to, we want to pay what we owe people from when they make a claim. How can we do that faster? How can we do that more efficient? We don't want to pay more than we want to, but how do you become more efficient? And I think that's part of the continual improvement. So it's, it is, a yeah, well, it sounds like to me, like you have a lot of the chief digital officer role already there. So, so you know that, that, and that's, that really helps my, uh, from a perspective of, of, um, you know, the seat that I think that, that technology leaders need to have at the table and, and congratulations for, for having that. Um, so let's talk about how are you accomplishing this, this system replacement so quickly, um, given that how much legacy that you have, you know, and there's, there's been a lot of discussion about how can you make, uh, regulated companies comply using things like public cloud, which allows you to move much faster. And, you know, get, get get rid of the dealing with the plumbing, um, get, dealing with it, you know all the all the capacity you don't use except for peak periods uh, and all the other maintenance and upgrade headaches that have to go with having a big a big foundation uh, that you run yourself in your data center and go into public cloud. Is that uh, been part of your uh, strategy, or are you doing something different in order to accelerate your your digital transformation? So, so it's funny. I was talking with an in- individual from another carrier um, just probably about a month ago about this, and I might be showing my age because I still like to. So, so we we currently host we 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 don't host our data center. We have our data center actually in our in our office, and while to me that's Maybe I'm young enough to know why do I want to have a data center in my office when there are hosting centers out there that I can put stuff that's going to have the the security, the fire retardant, you know, all that the the backup generators in there. 
I don't want to worry about that. But to go to the cloud, I can't put my hands around it. I can't touch it. And so I, I want to feel like I still have a box there that I know is my box that I can actually physically go out there and touch. Now, we're all come around in five years where I don't really need that box because all our boxes are virtual. So even I can touch the box, I can't touch the server because it's a virtual server. Right. The concept of you know knowing that there's actually a physical piece of hardware out there that I own and I'm not going to like platform as a service, you know, something within the cloud. I think the other thing with the cloud is because we are regulated, it opens a whole nether from a security standpoint. When I start putting stuff up. Yeah, it's, all, it's, it's a whole other bar. And, and, and I'm, right. I'm hearing this from uh, CIOs in the UK uh, in banking. They're, they're like, there's no way cloud anytime soon. Yeah, of course, eventually, but not for us. We're not when we, we have, we need the control, right? You know, right. so it's interesting because I think, I think it, you know, the, by the end of this year, more than half of all enterprise workloads will be on public cloud. So that just that shows you how fast that's half that's data from Cisco. Right. So it's very interesting. So, so we're, we're, we're almost uh, through our, our, our very interesting session here, Tim. Uh, and, you know, thanks for all the insights you've given us. And I think it's been very useful. Um, so I'd like to uh, kind of tap into the store of wisdom that you've built up um, uh, as an IT leader uh, in terms of, you know, you've gotten your, you've been there four months, but it sounds like you already got things really, you know, underway in terms of large changes to the, to the, the, the technology infrastructure. What practical advice would you give to CIOs and those who want to be CIOs for undertaking a program of digital transformation in the insurance industry? What would you, given what you've learned already, you know, what might you do a little differently? What, what advice, what, you know, hurdles did you get, get over that you wish you, someone had told you? So, so I, I think the one is to realize that you're in a regulated environment. So there are things that maybe you want to do that you can't do because of the regulations, because of the security aspect. I think the other thing, you know, you've got to really be sensitive to is insecurity. So, so Diane, we, we briefly talked about, you know, Internet of Things. You know, from a security standpoint, you know, is that going to be an entry point for individuals to come in? While you have that, that feature within your, your hot water heater, can someone tunnel in through that to get into my systems in order to break. So there's a security aspect to it on, you know, on the digital side, realizing that today is not yesterday and today won't be tomorrow. So things are going to continually change. So how do you, how do you keep the business drivers? How do you keep the business informed of what it's going to take to do certain things so that they can make better decisions of where they want to take the business from a profitability standpoint, from a growth perspective. And so, you know, it's understanding that relationship that I have to have the data as soon as possible from a systems perspective of what it's going to take to formulate and develop these systems so that the business can make decisions of where they want to go. I think that's one key is really being able to try and figure out how to garner that information faster and have it reliable so that you can then plan of where you want to take the business. I think that's important. I think then it's also is really slicing up from the digital aspect of what are you going to focus on? You can't focus on everything. You might feel like you have to focus on anything, but you're going to have to slice things up, compartmentalize things, attack it, prioritize those things. Everything's important, but you can only have one top priority. It's a top priority because it's your first priority. It's not your second priority. It's your first priority. Now, if you can, if you can go parallel, that's great. But ultimately there's only one first priority and that's the first one. So it's understanding that there might be a need and a demand to do stuff, but trying to prioritize what that need and the demand is. And then it's looking at the technology options out there. How do you solution something? How also, I think from a digital standpoint, 
realizing that technology is going to change in three years. What we what we see now is not is going to I believe will be just magnitudinally larger and in, in a change than what we have now. So don't build something for ten years out because in ten years, totally different game. So how do you incrementally move forward and being able to move forward? so that you can then alter, you can then turn, you can then drive to a different direction as need. So that whole nimble concept. I think it's keeping those things in mind that are gonna be the most important thing of you know what's the technology, what's the human assets that you have that you can actually do things, and then how do you actually execute that and piecing things and figure out what your priority is. Yep, now I think, uh, and this is what we see in, 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 uh, in uh, leadership survey after leadership survey that too many top priorities is what seems to choke things. So I think that yeah. your advice Certainly resonates with you know with those industry perspectives, uh, and and I think not boiling the ocean. You know we know how many strategic initiatives have, have, have failed at trying to do everything at once. So I think you know the that that incremental that fast incremental approach is something that that I'm certainly seeing is, is, is more something we're doing. The industry is doing more broadly uh, and is a smart thing to do. Um, and so so great. Well, this brings us to the end of a uh, absolutely uh, um, terrific conversation. Tim, I can't thank you for, for coming on board. This is my uh, first CXO talk for 2017. Uh, and we're hoping to explore the industry, insurance industry a couple more times before we're done. Uh, so, uh, so please uh, uh, give everyone, um, please give a, a thank you to Tim Baum, CIO of Hartford Insurance. Uh, don't forget to stop by CXOTalk.com. We have over 200 other episodes with uh, IT leaders uh, such as uh, Tim. Uh, and thank you very much uh, for appearing and and uh, thank you for watching the show. My pleasure, Dan. Good talking to you.